there's an independent film that was released in, uh, it's 20 years ago now. That's making me feel really old. Uh, starring uh, James Marden. Now, if you don't know who James Marden is, he played Cyclops in the X-Men films, okay? Still don't know who he is. Uh, it's got Gary Oldman in it. Christopher Lloyd, who played Doc in um, Back to the Future. Kurt Russell. Amy Smart. There's some big names in this film. Michael J. Fox did a cameo. The film's called Interstate 60. It's a quirky road movie about self-discovery along this mysterious highway which isn't on a map. It's really weird. It is a really weird film. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. However, when it was released, it made a whopping 8.5 thousand pounds. That's how silly and weird this film is. It didn't even make five figures. All those big names, it made not even £9,000. Now, in that film, there's a town called Morlaw. It's situated along this highway that our traveller is going down. And in that town, everyone is a lawyer. Everyone. And whoever passes through there generally subjugated to litigation for even the smallest offence. And as our traveller approaches the town, he gets into the city limits, first thing he hears, the police siren behind him. He pulls over. He asks the policeman what he did. He pulls out, gives him his licence. And the policeman serves him with a notice for a hit-and-run incident outside the courthouse in the town three weeks earlier. Saying that uh, a resident called J.J. Madison... His cat got run over, and he's blaming you. And he's rested and put in jail. <coughs> Never been to the town before, but he's subject to this stupid town's laws. And he has a conversation with one of the lawyers in the town, and this is the conversation as he's in his police cell talking to the lawyer. I'm a class of 91. I got a special rate for you, for visitors. I know I can win your case. You don't even know my case, said our traveller. Ah, it's the Madison case. It's a nuisance suit. Happens to all visitors. In fact, J.J. Madison doesn't even own a cat. He's allergic. I can have it thrown out in no time. Wait, he never had a cat? Why is he going to sue somebody for it? Because he can. What? Every adult citizen of Molo is a lawyer. So everybody sues everybody else. doesn't matter if there's a cause. This is how we ensure that everyone makes a living off their profession. It's absurd, isn't it? Insane. In fact, they were the next words out of our traveller's mouth. That's insane. And which the lawyer replies, I could sue you for that. It's a defamatory mark against our town. Absolutely ridiculous. But that's the point of the film. It's to show the absurdity of the nature of the law. What does the law do? It enslaves those who abide by the works of the law. There's no freedom, there's no liberty in the law. If we live by the law, there is no liberty. In fact, Paul points this out in our passage, doesn't he? That if we're relying on the law, if we're relying on our good works and everything that we do to get into God's grace into heaven, 
then we're going to fall short of it. He says this in verse 10. For all those who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. What Paul's doing, he's teaching these Galatians that their salvation is solely based on their faith in Christ Jesus. And the reason he needs to do this is there's been a fallacy within the church. False teachers from Jerusalem have come into Galatia, which is southern Turkey, gone around the churches, teaching them, yeah, it's okay to have Jesus, but you need this as well. You need to follow the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to do the things of the law as well as knowing Jesus. And Paul's saying, no. You don't need these things. Because if you've got the law, you have to live by all of the law. Which we know is impossible to do, isn't it? If you want to live by the law, you have to fulfill all the requirements of it. And all these churches in Galatia had when I was false hope. They had nothing to, to firmly rely on until Paul retells them it's about Christ and Christ alone. He wants these believers to understand and to rejoice. And therefore, I want us to understand and rejoice at the same time that our fact, the fact that our salvation is of faith. It's not what we do that saves us. It's whom we believe in who does. We are saved because we believe. And in that itself is, a, is the grace of God, but that's another sermon altogether, isn't it? We believe in our hearts, well, I hope you do, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead, and we confess that our mouths that he is Lord of all. And it's upon that confession of faith that we are saved. That's what scripture tells us. It's the foundation of our faith. And it's true joy and peace in those, isn't it? When we hold on to that proclamation, when we live that out by faith, it's a wonderful thing. And I want us to cling to that hope tonight. It doesn't matter about what we do, per se. It's about who we trust in. Paul wants this Galatian church to fully understand the reality of what the Lord does. It shouldn't be relied upon. But it's Christ that we should do. He tells them that if you wish to live by the law, you put yourself in a perilous place. Because if we fall short of the law, we fall under the curse of the law. That's fair to say, isn't it? You've got to follow the whole law. When Moses was in the wilderness outside of the promised land, he and the Levites were on Mount Ebal. And they pronounced curses upon those who would fail to live out God's law. Deuteronomy 27 verse 26 says this. They cried out, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So the whole congregation of Israel agreed that if they failed to do the whole law or confirm the law, they'd be under a curse. Now the law is what the Jewish people prided themselves on. For thousands of years, they were about strict observance to God's law. All 613 of them. You want to know them? Here they are. 
on two sides, by the way. If I print them on one page, there'd be 44 pages here. I cut it down to 19 just for save paper. You can look at them afterwards. I'll, I'll even leave a copy. But you have to follow the whole thing. And in following the law of God, the Jews would be distinct from all nations. And they, the, the Jews, they loved the law. It was special to them. And these Jews in Galatia would have stunned been the same. But there's Gentiles in the church, too, who knew nothing of the law. In fact, the law is so wonderful to the Jews, this is what the psalmist said. Bear in mind, speaking of this document, the law of the Lord is perfect. This law, all 630 of them, is perfect. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's how wonderful this document is. And by all means, try and live by it. You can't. But the Jews tried. In fact, Paul says of the law that it's, it's spiritual, holy, and good. That's the Apostle Paul saying that, but he's also at the same time saying, you cannot live by it. See, even though it had a special place, they never kept it. Never once did they keep the full law. In fact, it became erroneous to them. It was hard for them. And it was only the most devout and pious who did. The Pharisees. And then Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, looking good on the outside, but their hearts rotten. See, the problem is not with this document. It's not the problem. I'm the problem. The document is good. The law is good. But I can't keep that. See, what this law does just tells me I'm sinful. It's what Romans 3.19 says. Now we know, whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. This document tells me I'm a lawbreaker. So let's see how bad, is it? Tell you what, as I read out some of these laws, tell me if you've kept them in every single way. Law 118. At the Feast of Booths, you have to take up a luaf or a palm branch and an etrog, a citron or another branch, and you meant to wave them as a praise and honor to God. I know I, I have never done that. In my 30 years... Just check, it's not more than that. 30 years of knowing Christ. I've never waved a palm branch in my life. I picked it up on the beach and moved it, but I've never waved one in praise to God. Have you? Law says. Every seventh year of the Feast of Booths, on the Sukkot, you'd assemble together all the people and read this. 
publicly. Every seven years. Some of you didn't know this existed. But the law says you're meant to gather every seven years and read it. Those who have got a flat roof on your house. Have you got a guardrail around it? But the law says you should. So it says in uh, Deuteronomy 22 verse 8. You should have a guardrail around our, roofs, our flat roofs. It's to stop people falling off. It makes sense. To us it's common sense. But it's in the law. A worker... I'm looking at myself here because this applies to me. I break this every single day. A worker must not eat while on hired time. I get paid my lunch breaks in my 9 to 5 job or my my 7 to 5 job. I get paid my lunch breaks. So when I'm eating my sandwich or my pasty, whatever it is I got for lunch that day, I am breaking God's law, in effect, by doing so. I should say to my boss, no, don't pay me so I can have some food. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. And I deliberately picked some of the ridiculous laws that are there to show that we can't keep them. I'm not talking about the ones that loving God and stealing. Or we know that stuff and we know we don't, we don't live them up. But even the simple ones we know we should keep and should be able to keep, we don't. But as a Jew, you've got to live all 613 of these. And if you fail in one part of these laws, you fall under the curse of that law. And that curse is God's judgment. That's God dealing with us as he sees fit in accordance with his thrice holy nature and his justice. If we have to, if we need, if we try to live by the law, we have to do it perfectly. With all of our heart, all of our soul, our mind, and our strength, in every aspect, without failure. Always with love in our hearts, as we gather those seventh year to read the law, which we find tiresome reading it the first time. I can guarantee if I left this on the table downstairs, maybe one of you or two would have a look at it. Most of you go, I'm not going to bother with that. But we have to to read it every seven years with love in our heart and joy and expectation. We've got to go up onto that roof in the wind and the rain of Wales when the guardrails come down to fix it. With joy in our hearts. Again, this this is something I'm being deliberately On the edge, deliberately mocking what the law says. Because we can't keep it. And again, I need to see my boss about my, my lunch breaks. By the way, it includes the toffees or the sweets your colleague brings back, which you have mid-morning snack at 10 o'clock. It includes that. It's not just your lunch break. You can see how erroneous the law is, can you? How burdensome. When I read that one about lunch break, my my heart sank. I do like my food. 
the law is so strict. It's so rigid. And if we're to live by it, we've got to do perfectly. It's impossible for us. However, there is hope. We don't live by this, do we? And this is the joy that comes with salvation by faith. It doesn't matter about this. Verse 13 is what Paul tells us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For his written curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. This is what Jesus did. As he died on the cross as our substitute in our place, he suffered the judgment that our law-breaking deserved. So where I fail in this, Jesus has satisfied that debt. So you can see it doesn't matter about the law anymore, does it? Because my debt of law-breaking has been satisfied. So when I don't put the muzzle on the when I uh, put the muzzle on the ox when I go to plough my fields, or when I work at the flood plain that I'm not meant to work, or when I crossbreed animals which I'm not meant to do according to the law, or I have that food on my lunch break and bear a grudge against my neighbour and don't love everyone as I should, Jesus has paid all of that. That doesn't mean I don't do the things contained in here. They do them to show that I love God and I want to please him. But I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry about the curse of the law because it, this is what Jesus has done. Throw it away. The law has nothing against me because the debt has been satisfied. God's justice for my sin has been paid. It's been met. Every time that I failed to perfectly fulfill his law. This is what our friends at gotquestions.org write. To be redeemed from the curse of the law means to be freed from following its rules and regulations and from experiencing the judgment of God. Christ, so Jesus Christ is the redeemer, becoming a curse for us and purchasing us from the slavery of sin through his death on a cross. Jesus throws the law in the bin. In effect. So all that's left is your salvation by faith. It no longer relies upon what you do. It's based upon him. Philip P. Bliss penned this hymn. I wanted to sing it, but apparently, again, not many, even when I told, uh, said others about this, they didn't know the song. It's found in the Sankey hymn book. It's this, free from the law, no happy condition. Jesus has bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace hath redeemed us once for all. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O friend, now believe it. Cling to the cross, the burden will fall. Christ hath redeemed us once for all. And that's the good news of the gospel. In fact, it's great news. It's fantastic news. It's wonderful news. 
the curse of the law that is upon us is gone. So when we put our faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, we know Christ died in our place. When we believe, when we can cling to him, when we live by the truth in Christ that he died in my place, we receive this life eternal. We do. We receive newness of life, enabling me to do the law as the Lord wants me to. We receive the Spirit of God, enabling us and empowering us to live in a manner pleasing to God. And that shows the, the change within. But it all comes about not by our effort, but by Christ's sacrifice. John records in his gospel the words of Jesus. Jesus said this. He said to the Jews who believed in him, he says in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you should be free indeed. And what Jesus has done when we put our faith in him, he frees us from the curse of the law. Never to be enslaved by that curse again. We know and believe the truth of the gospel. That truth being Jesus. He's the one who frees us. And that knowledge is a, an intimate knowledge. It's to understand him. It's to be his friend, to be his ally. To, it's to lean on him, to learn of him, to feel him, to embrace him. The word is used of the union between a man and his wife. It's that close. We become one with him. And in doing so, by faith, we're free. We're absolutely free. I started with that stupid film. Do you know how that guy got out of his court case? I would have, didn't he? Knew the film until I started preaching. Well, he escaped that trumped up charge because he called a character witness to speak on his behalf. And this witness couldn't abide lies and liars I, could, I couldn't repeat what was I can't quote you what was said because it's improper but he convinces the judge to declare an amnesty on all visitors to Morlow because the judge was in on a lie the whole town was in on a lie the whole system was corrupt the truth prevailed. The truth always prevails. And the truth of the gospel is this. It doesn't matter whether you can live up to the standard of that law or not. It doesn't matter if your law-breaking is in the smallest part or the greatest part. It doesn't matter if you fail in every aspect going. Christ kept that law because you could not. He suffered its curse 
because you could not bear it. He's given salvation, but you could not earn it. And he has blessed us with faith so we can believe it. It is all of Jesus. And that's the simple simplicity of the gospel. In fact, it's so simple. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds foolish. But faith in Christ, believing that he is the Son of God, believing that he died for your sin and rose again that you may have newness of life, saves you. It makes you right in the sight of a holy God. And the judgment that you were, you were due to face, he's paid. Jesus has taken away the judgment of God for all who believe upon him. That's the blessing of Christ. That's what Paul speaks of in verse 14. What does he say? So in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What is that blessing? It's the blessing that Abraham knew. Go back to chapter, uh, verse 8 of chapter 3. It says this. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It's faith what counts. It's faith that saves. We've been freed from the curse of the law by our faith in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to know. It's a wonderful thing to experience. And if you have experienced it, if your faith is in Christ, rejoice in that. Rejoice in the God who loves you, who gave himself for you. Serve him with gladness. Show the world, shout about it. It's who our God is. If you are yet to see that, ask God to open your eyes and your heart to it. That you would receive this salvation by faith, the same way that anyone receives salvation. Faith in Christ, in Christ alone. The curse of the law is gone because of Jesus.